With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Hawkeye fans. Uh, Rob Howe of Hawkeye Nation here. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast feed. We have a new podcast for you. Um, We really don't have a name for this yet, Colin, so we're going to have to come up with a name. Uh, I gave away my partner there. It's uh, Colin Cole former Hawkeye and longtime NFL player. Um, And we're going to do this as a recap of Hawkeye games, kind of go through, review what we saw, mostly Collins' input. Um, I'll bounce some questions off him. I'll throw my opinions in, in, excuse me, here and there. And uh, we're going to see how this goes. And if you have a name for the podcast, feel free to reach out to one of us on Twitter or any other way you can reach out. I was thinking – I was thinking of, and I don't know what you, you let me know, Colin, what you think of the, the, either the pro and the pundit or the pundit and the pro. What do you think? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, does, it doesn't really speak to what we're doing, though. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I get the, the parallels, but you've got to get something really just snappy, something really just rolls off the tongue. I agree. Um, yeah. But I was looking at you as the pro, the longtime pro player, and me as the pundit, the, my 23rd season covering Iowa football. So I'm a guy who's had a lot of opinions. That's where that came from. But I wanted to make sure that it hit you, and it didn't. So, <laughs> so well, how, long you, how long have you been thinking about this one? Well, as you know, because it took us a while, we're recording this on, on Monday night, September the 2nd, for people that are listening. Um, I took a little bit of a hiatus after I got up. I got home from the game Sunday night at about 1.15 after I got all my work done. Got to bed about 2.30, got up, and then we went on a little vacation up to Decorah, Iowa, which is about two and a half hours north of here. It's some bluffs and kind of nice this time of year. So the family and I took that trip. So today I was coming back, and we're all kind of worn out. I got to stay awake while I'm driving. Everybody else is snoring in the car. I was bouncing that around in my head, and that's kind of what I came up with. So forgive me. I'm very tired. I had a late night for covering the game and now um, and got was pretty active up on this a couple this mini vacation. So I'm not thinking clearly. So you know what? No, no, no. I think that's not, <laughs> I know what I said initially, but let's let's roll with that to start. And if we get any different names, then we'll, we'll adjust accordingly. But for now, that's what we come to the table with. And I think that we should roll with that until further notice. Or we could just call it Cole and Howe. That's cool too. (laughs) (laughs) Then everybody knows who it is. But if, again, if any, anybody, any of the listeners have any ideas, um, bounce them off us and, and maybe we'll, but we'll roll with that right now. We'll roll with one of those two right now or a combination or something like that, but uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. People just want to hear what we have to say. So. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to say the title is less important than the actual <laughs> information. So exactly. Yeah, that. Um, so let's, let's just start kind of with 
our initial thoughts, Colin, and then we'll kind of dive in a little bit deeper here. Um, I'll, I'll start and, and throw a few things out there and then let you uh, share what you saw, what you saw and kind of what you thought about the thought about the opener. Um, for me, I'm always most critical when I'm watching live. I don't know why that is, but I, I'm like, I rewatched the game when I got home, I watched the first half and then I watched the second half um, a little bit just now. I didn't watch the, the whole fourth quarter, but I was critical of Brian Ferentz and some of the execution in that first half, um, especially on those first two drives where they, they missed on a fourth down um, and then they had to settle for a field goal once they got in the red zone. But when I went back and looked at it, Miami played really well. Miami had Iowa scouted really well. They picked up on a, a receiver handoff reverse. They were right on that on the fourth or no, that was on an earlier down on that drive. Um, but the tight end, they threw the buyer on the tight end coming across on that second drive, and the, the Miami linebacker was right there, read it really well. The touchdown, the first touchdown try to Brandon Smith, really good coverage by Manny Regumba. I thought Miami played well in that first half, more than I felt that Iowa was off. What did you see? Yeah, I, I mean, in my opinion, Miami of Ohio definitely came into Kinnick with a chip on the shoulder, and I feel like they – they really hung in there really well uh, for the start of the game. And uh, Gabbert, uh, Blaine Gabbert's younger son, I mean, not, not younger son, but younger brother, uh, he definitely lived, lived up to his name, and he played very well. Uh, I definitely feel like some new faces and some new positions, and it's going to, you know, it takes some time for teams to gel, particularly in today's college football, because when you look at it, they take a page out of the NFL's football. Uh, book because of the fact that they don't there's not a whole lot of tackling in camp anymore in fall camp there's not a whole lot of uh going to the ground there's not a whole lot of some of that stuff that really are fundamental things that are part of football so i think that both teams were kind of filling each other out to start the, the, the game but um and I, and I think Miami of Ohio just they came out uh, ready to play and they played very hard in the first quarter uh well, the first half i should say you know with uh bringing the score to 10 to 7 heading into the halftime. So I was I was impressed with how well they were playing. I want to ask you this. You had four of these. You played as a true freshman too, so I can't imagine what it was like that first year. What there, It's got to be, you, like you talked about, there's not a lot of tackling in, in, in camp, but also it's the first game, man. You're coming out there the first time with this team. Every year it's the, a new team, so it's this team. Did you have jitters when you came out? I mean, and you talked about trying to settle in a little bit and everybody kind of relaxing and kind of getting into a groove. Do you were, and I'm sure you felt that way in the NFL too. Those first games, it, does it take some time? Well, it always takes time to adjust to the speed of the game because you're going to practice and the practice is typically going to be at a, a little bit slower of a tempo. So when you get to game day, everybody's pretty much running around, flying around a lot faster than you would typically during the, practice week but um you know and, and it takes time for everybody to get on the same page and again just like you said this this group of kids this group of guys right here is it's the first time they're playing together all together like they are you know that they've had practice throughout the spring and throughout the summer and now here into the season this group this core group of guys on both sides of the ball as well as the special teams groups they're all this is the first time that they're all working together and you know, it takes time for everybody to kind of gel and mesh. You know, I saw some different instances when guys were, were talking to each other on the sideline and talking to each other on the field. You know, it takes time for a team to really 
gel and really know what each other are thinking and what the what to expect from each other on each individual play. Um, so I'm I'm excited about where the game started. I'm excited about where the season started, and I, I think that it's it really speaks well that uh, we played against a very good Miami of Ohio Mac opponent that uh, came in upset minded, and but we stood we stood the test early and were able to hold on for the win. Hey, man, I was there. You remember how hot it was in Oxford, Ohio in 2002 when we went out there in that game with Roethlisberger? That was, <laughs> you remember that? I do remember that one. That was, that was, it was definitely warm out there, for sure. And that was a dogfight, man. You guys needed – I mean, they, they came to play that day as well. Yeah, I know the, week, the year before we played them at Kinnick, and I know we were able to put some points up on them, but going down there to their home field, uh, a young Ben Roethlisberger who really led that team uh, to, to some great things. You know, we, we were able to get after him a, a bit and we were able to make, get a couple of turnovers, which uh, which resulted in the, us being able to pull the win out out there. But it definitely wasn't easy, that's for sure. And I remember that last drive where it was the – that was kind of the – we're almost like we're we knew that that offensive line was going to be good, but that last drive and that game, they I remember they grinded out a huge long drive in that heat and just pretty much just said, Not today. And they I, that was it, I, that was kind of took the last bit of air out of out of Miami's sails on that one, yeah, yeah. And I and that's what we had to do pretty much the entire year, and we had the group of guys up front on the offensive side that were able to do it, you know, and, and um, we're able, we had some really good backs that were able to hit it downhill and, you know, grind out games in the end. And I think about games like Indiana where we had to, to mm. kind of fight back. They, they were in that game tough against us the entire time back in 2002. And it was, uh, it was a tough one to have to, to pull out there. But it was, you know, those are the types of games that really tr- t- test you as a team and really to see what kind of what caliber team you are. And championship caliber teams are the teams that are able to withstand those early, you know, strides and those, those things that are those the offenses put – teams put ahead of you. And, you know, you, you have to withstand them. And you got to be able to, to, uh, to get back on the field and, and make plays and, you know, take over and get the victory like we, like we were a couple nights ago. Gibron Hamden, I remember that big, big old quarterback for Indiana. And Grant Steen picked him off three times. That was that was that game where they it was raining there, and I think they spray painted the field in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's stick stick on that offensive line seam, Colin, because unfortunately, if there was one downer on Saturday, it was Alaric Jackson going down at the end of the first quarter. I was starting left tackle. This is his third year starting at left tackle. Um, and you talked about this, and I know you've gone through this in your career. There's going to be adversity, and Iowa faced adversity right away in that game. He went out. Tristan Wurst flipped from right tackle to left tackle. Levi Paulson kicked from right guard out to right tackle. And they brought in Kyler Schott off the bench to play right guard. Um, can you speak to that a little bit, especially with the way Iowa runs its offensive line zone blocking schemes where you have to have that continuity and, and uh, you know, playing together. And it, it, they played really – that to me was one of the – Biggest bright spot Saturday, the way that offensive line came together with a major injury. Yeah. You know, I think when it comes down to it, there's 
there's something to be said about old linemen. You know, as a defensive lineman, I got to be honest, I don't like those guys all that much. But <laughs> for our guys specifically, I got to give credit where credit is due. And in all honesty, being around the game as long as I have, the offensive line has to be the most close-knit group of people uh, on a football team. And they have to, they have to hold so many different uh, things together in terms of uh, policing the team as well as policing an offense and making sure that they protect their quarterback and their, back, and their running back. So needless to say, the, the starting five is very important to try to keep that continuity going. But to, to be able to, to have two or three guys that can come, on, come in off the bench if that time comes or if it needs to be, uh, and it's always about the next man up. It's always about who can step up and who can fill in and who can make plays and who can help make, make the, uh, you know, bring about the offense the best possible way. And, you know, it's, injuries are a part of the game. No matter what level you play on, no matter where you're at, the injuries are just a part of the game. And it, they happen, you know, and it has to be the next man up mentality. Somebody else has to step in and somebody has to take over that role for whoever – whomever has fallen, you know, and I wouldn't be able to finish the game for him or, or whatever situation. And I was impressed to see that, you know, the team was able to shuffle along and get some different guys in there and, you know, pick right up where they left off and continue to pour on the scoring draft. Is that hard, Colin? I know, I know I, I hear coach, you just said it and coach Ferentz has, says it all the time. Injuries are part of the game and we all know that it's a physical sport, but still to see one of your brothers go down, that's got to at least initially be a little bit of a shock to the system. Well, yeah, of course it is. You know, you never want to see anybody get injured, but it is, it is a part of the game. There's really nothing we could do to prevent 100% of injuries. If we, if there was something we could do, I'm sure that they would be doing them. You know, nobody wants to see anybody who contributes to their team or anybody, period, that would get injured. But, it, it, you know, certain things happen. You know, guys get rolled up on. I saw the play as it happened. Mm. It didn't seem like it was something that, you know, nine times out of ten, I, I think he would have come out okay with that situation. But just the way that his foot was, his foot was planted and the, the defensive tackle basically ran into his leg that was planted in, in an awkward motion, you know, it uh, – it put him in a compromising position. So it was a difficult thing to have to deal with. I feel like I don't know the extent of his injury, but it looked like something that he can come back from within a few weeks, hopefully, if not sooner, and, you know, be able to contribute to the team when he gets back. Yeah, Coach Ferentz said um, Sunday night, I believe, that uh, what you said, hopefully in a couple – it's probably going to be a couple weeks. It's probably a knee sprain, not a torn ligament, which thankfully that's – Certainly a better prognosis, so hopefully Alaric can get back in there. And uh, at least moving into week two, they, had, they, had, they should have some confidence, wouldn't you say, that with the way they played on Saturday, that, that they, can get, they can keep this thing together? Yeah, I think that they definitely can keep the ball rolling the way they are currently going. We just have to continue to <clears> – we have to continue to see guys getting the ball in their hands that can make plays. You know, Sargent was a key contributor to the game the other night carrying the ball 14 times for 91 yards, being a leading rusher. You know, that, that's that's one thing that Iowa prides itself on is being able to run the ball and being able to be consistent in that category. Um, Nate Stanley, obviously, he has the, the abilities that he has. And, you know, throwing for three touchdowns is extremely important. But we definitely still have to be able to lean on the run. We're not like other teams in the country that um, that are, are spread out and, you know, try to gimmick run, run you. We're that lineup and run behind our offensive line type of team. And 
I've always been proud to be able to say that and know that about our groups. And I, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be exciting to see how we come out this, this upcoming week. But, uh, you know, you got to take it game by game. You know, the first game is over with. 38 to 14 was a score. We, can, we can't do anything about that score. We can't do anything about that game. Moving on to the next opponent at this point. And we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, the uh, Big Ten game in week two, which is completely bizarre for me. I, like I said, I've done this 23 years, and I didn't – but we, we all got to deal with change. Um, I really liked what I saw, and I wanted to get your feedback on this, particularly in the first half. And I, I think they built on it in the second half, but just offensively, I was – I was impressed with, with uh, again, I was critical initially watching it live, but I thought Bre- Brian Ferentz called a really good game. And they, they showed they showed a lot more than I thought they would in week one. They threw to the fullback. They had a couple receiver reverses, uh, some underneath stuff, some screens to the backs. I, I thought they showed a lot conceptually and, and, and just from a schematic standpoint. I, I was impressed with, with week one with so many new guys. You lose those two tight ends to the first round in the NFL, and Stanley throws the 10 different, ten different guys caught a pass on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think that it just speaks to how important it is to open up the playbook and give guys, give different guys an opportunity. You know, and, and um, guys took advantage of those opportunities. And it was, it was good to see the offense opened up. It was good to see those passes down the field because that's what you're going to need to win games uh, in the prime time moving forward. Uh, even seeing Stanley get out on the edge on a couple of yeah. options and seeing him yeah. take off and run. I know he's not the prototypical runner, you know, he's, but he also shows that he has that element of his game, you know, in the repertoire. So that's something defenses have to account for, he, you know, when he's whenever he's in that position and we're running that that uh, that that option game, you know, instead of just handing it off every time, if he shows that he's able to run it, it just show, it just puts us in an even better position. So moving forward, I want to see more of that, you know, and I'm I'm glad to see that we were in position where we could, you know, we were in position where we were we were getting after him, and it was there was really no no let up from uh, from the second half on. I mean the 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 second quarter on. Now the moment you've been waiting for, Colin, we're going to flip to the other side, the really important side of the ball, defense. Um, Near and dear to your heart, I know. Uh, (laughs) That's right. We talked to AJ after the game. He's gotten a lot of preseason hype. Mm -hmm. But watching the game, I know you noticed it, and I know I was watching it, and people were – you know, tweeting at me and texting at me, what's wrong with AJ? Why is he even getting to the quarterback? You know what? The other teams know about him as well, and they're going to do things to take him away or, or try to neutralize him as best as possible. And we talked to him after the game, and, and he said, yeah, it's what they did. They, they were bringing extra guys, chipping at me, all that stuff. What did you see? And, and kind of they still held Miami, I think, to 59 yards rushing. So even though they, they tried to take him out of the game, they still couldn't run the football. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough, especially when you have a target on your back and people know about you. You've been preseason this and that and, and the hype about the, the defense being the top defense in the country, if not one of the top defenses in the country. I think there's definitely a, a lot to be said about that. And you know, a lot of people can buy into that. AJ, I know, is a is a grounded young man who is not going to let all that stuff get to his head. But it does 
bring about additional attention from other people, you know, more so than just the tackle, you know, he's having to deal with running backs, especially with a spread offense that we were dealing with against Miami of Ohio, Um, having to deal with, you know, that running back that will be over to that side, kind of ready to help that offensive tackle out. He's not getting those one-on-one blocks now. You know, last year he wasn't a starter. They couldn't really key in on him as much. Now that he's a starter, you're going to have to find ways to move him around and, and put him on different – hopefully put him in some different places on the defensive line to give him an opportunity to get some one-on-one matchups against people that aren't necessarily as good of athletes in open space. You know, he brings that element to his game, and I hope that he's able to really find that going into the next week's game against Rutgers. I was going to ask you that, Colin. So you are a pro- proponent of moving a guy around if you have to? Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think that you should necessarily line a guy up in the same spot. And it's not just, it's not just on the defensive line. It's at wide receiver. It's at running backs. It's, it's, every, it's linebackers. It's DBs. I think everybody should move around from where they're typically at because teams typically teams will key in on that. Teams will, will say, okay, we know that this guy is going to be on this side every single time we line up, so we're going to run – we're going to do things to, to run away from him. And then when we run to him, we're going to make sure that we have two or three people up in front of him. So, so as to make it even more difficult to, to get to him. But if he's in different places, that makes it really hard for them to be able to just key in on. It makes it extremely hard for that to happen. So I hope that uh, – I know that last year he got some opportunities to play inside a defensive tackle and passing pass rushing situations. I hope that he gets some more of those opportunities. Even though I know he's a primarily a defensive end and he has that capability, he's great with it. It would be great to see him on the inside of the three technique to sometimes get a one-on-one pass rush against the offensive guard and get some immediate pressure in a quarterback's lap. Yeah, I noticed a few times they did when they brought Imani Jones in, who was a linebacker last year, and he ended up with a sack on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, they they kicked Chauncey Golston inside with I, – I can't remember if it, it may have been – I can't remember who the other tackle was. It may have been Davion Nixon. It may have been Cedric Lattimore. That he may have stayed in as well. But uh, it was, I think, on that play it was uh, who's who's fifty four. I can't think of who. That's Davion Nixon. So yes. so it was Nixon and Golston in there. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a speed that's a speed <laughs> that's a need for speed setup. Um, yeah. Did you like what you saw with what Phil and and. Uh, um, Kelvin and, and uh, um, Coach Neiman did with the defensive line. You know, they 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 play. They've gotten to rotating more guys in, but they they have different size guys now. Even yeah, I think it's always a good idea to get different guys rotated into the game and get different guys in position to make plays. And it was great to see Demonte Jones get out there and make a play on that third down and get that sack. Ultimately, these are things that are going to be key moving forward throughout the, the remainder of the season, heading into the Big Ten season and, you know, having to, to do different things against different opponents. I'm not going to say that – I'm not going to say that, honestly, they're going to do that on a consistent basis, but, um, but giving teams something else to look at, to have the game plan for, just opens up your, your capability of doing things just that much more. So I think it just helps, helps the group overall to continue to – to switch things up and continue to do different things to, to kind of allow for different players to make plays in different positions. We, we heard and talked and, and, you know, the coaches talked about in the off season, four, two, five, the cash position, I'm thinking, you know, Amani Hooker 
played that to a T last season when, when they when they went to that four two five. The other night it was a lot of four three. I would say what eighty percent, maybe eighty five percent four four three. Um, what what did you see there that that you think led Coach Parker to stick more with the four three? Well, I think we're still trying to figure out who's who. You know, you're still trying to figure out your personnel and who's going to be the best people to to put on the field at, at, at any given time. And, you know, going back to my days of being a part of uh, the Hawkeye football team, it was we, we had linebackers on the field 99% of the time. We had outside linebackers covering receivers. You know, Grant Steen was a great outside linebacker that also had the ability to run strike for strike with wide receiver down the field. So it you have to yeah it really speaks to how good coaching, how how important coaching is first and foremost, and how good coaches are able to always adjust to what their personnel is. You can't just expect that you have players that you put out there and you know your defense is just supposed to be able to be run. You want to put your best players out there at all times, and for whatever reason, Coach Parker felt like those are the guys he wants on the field for those 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 situations. So, you know. If it, if it means going back to a 4-3 schematically and having an outside linebacker cover receiver, then, hey, that's what we got to do as long as we have our best 11 on the field at all times. And I thought Nick Neiman played pretty well at that Leo spot on Saturday. His brother, obviously, is in the NFL and played that spot well. And A.J. Eads and, you know, down the line, you, you mentioned Grant Steen. There's, there have been some really good Leo linebackers at Iowa, and I think Nick Neiman is, is one of those guys – Mm-hmm. Um, another guy I'd like to talk about, if we could, Colin, is, is Kayvon Merriweather. Um, I guess there were, was a week or a week to two weeks left in camp, and Coach Parker met with us. And I don't know if this was to light a fire under the young man's butt, but he said, you know, Kayvon was being pushed by a walk-on guy, um, uh, Jack Corner, who, who I think is a good player too, but Kayvon has stepped in for Jake Gervas, who was the starting free safety last year, and Kayvon's pretty much held that spot since spring practice started. Um, I don't know if if he got the message or if there was a message to be delivered, but I thought he played well on Saturday. That's not an easy position, free safety in the Iowa defense. What did you see from him? Um, I, I guess specifically, you know, coming out of the game with um, with five tackles, it really speaks to – and the fact that they didn't have anything deep over the middle or anything over our heads. You know, you, you want to look at things statistically or you want to look at how uh, teams are attacking you. And honestly, be honest with you, as a free safety, I think there are a couple of positions that you don't want to hear a lot of unless, you know, they're, they're making those huge plays and, and people are highlighting them. You don't want to hear a lot from them. You, you don't want to hear a lot from the offensive line. You don't want to hear their names. You don't want to hear that they're doing too much – you know, unless they're, unless somebody's highlighting, oh, well, this guy has, you know, he's leading the way and, you know, he's getting up on these blocks and, you know, he's in those positions constantly. Free safety is another position where if you have a guy who is having his name called over and over again because he's A, out of position, B, having pass interference calls against him or holding calls or whatever in, in those regards, he is, is some, you know, that's something you don't want to hear. So, the fact that we didn't hear any of that, the fact that he was able to help keep the explosive plays out of the out of the statistical category, you know, the, the plays that they were able to score, those were on the outside against corners. But uh, in, in terms of the deep middle and playing in that position of being the last line of defense, I think he did very well. And I see him as a as being able to progress and get better throughout the season. And 
you have to. You have to challenge these kids. You have to challenge these young men to want to be better and want to play harder and always think that there's somebody who's going to push them to be better. You know, without competition, you're not going to get the best out of a player half the time. So I think it was a great idea on Coach Parker's, uh, Coach Phil Parker's, you know, side to go ahead and say something to, hey, you know, don't get comfortable. Don't think that this is just your position and that you you can just feel comfortable in this spot. We need you to, to play even harder because there's somebody behind you who's behind you who is willing to take your position if you don't pick it up. So I think that he got the message loud and clear and his five tackles and one pass defense speak to that. And I expect to see it continue to get better. Gave up some passing yards. Um, but it, it, a lot of that stuff seemed like it, they got Iowa – in zone, they were kind of sitting down in that zone, maybe in that second second level, a little bit beyond the second level. Is that kind of what you saw? That I it didn't I didn't seem I, at least I came out of it when I when I rewatched it, it. I wasn't overly concerned with the passing yards that were allowed. Yeah, I think when you look at it from a statistical standpoint, you got to think about how this goes. It's it's hard to when you have a spread type of offense and you're playing against our defense. We'll give up some yards. There'll be some. There'll there'll be because of the fact we run as much zone as we do at times, there will be openings within the, the defense. There will be areas where, where receivers can sit down and, and maybe get open. So I expect to see yards. But, again, like I said, the explosives weren't there. It's not like I saw them breaking out the gate, you know, 20 and 30 and 40-yard gains a time. You know, those things were kept to a minimum. We didn't have very many of those at all. So, yeah, they may have recruited a bunch of yards, but they're a pass-heavy offense. So you expect that they're going to get something going. They they have to get something going so that they were able to lean on their passing game. But, you know, it was, wasn't enough. So it, it's uh, – you give up a few extra yards, but we come out with the win, and I feel confident that our defensive secondary will continue to grow and get better. And I only had to punt once, so that's a good sign. Oh, man, it's a huge sign. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. and, he, and he didn't have the greatest punt in the world so that's still kind of that was a that was one of those off-season question marks could the punting game improve so the jury's still out there so but if you don't have to punt that's even better that's even better we don't even have to put him on the field i don't think that would be, I think anybody would be opposed to that but um you you touched on it earlier um Makai Sargent, uh, 14 carries, 91 yards, four catches, 65 yards. He's a young man they found at a junior college, played in in your home state, but he played in Key West. He said they used to have to take two, three-hour bus rides just to get up to your area um, mm-hmm. to play games. It's such a great story. What, what do you see from him just as a player? And and can you can you speak a little bit about kind of where he comes from? Well, not specifically about where he comes from, because I don't know about the tip of the, the iceberg there down there <laughs> in the U.S., but at the same time, being down in Florida, you know, there's always competition. There's always a lot of kids that have a lot of ability. So, uh, And the other thing about when you get a Florida athlete is you're going to get a guy who's tenacious and hungry to, to get on the field. And the best thing about it is that, you know, you have at Iowa a group of guys, not just one guy, but a group of guys to always push each other in the backfield. It's been consistent like that since I've been here, and it will consistently be like that as long as this coaching staff is here. And running backs are a premium. And the fact that uh, you have both Torrin Young and Tyler Goodson, two good young running backs behind him who also got carries in the game, 
it really speaks to the fact that while he had his opportunities, uh, did Makai, he he played extremely well, and he he took advantage of his opportunities. And getting the opportunity to get in the end zone was a huge one for him as well. I I remember him last year, and remember he had to split time with Torin Young and some of the other guys. And the fact that uh, he's taken over that role is good to see. Yeah, you guys had a good that 2002 pair, Fred and. And skills that was that was a good backfield too, and I think this one has a chance. You you kind of see components there with the the three guys that played the other night that got a chance to. It seems like guys will be able to stay fresh and and keep the defense on its heels. As long as we can keep guys healthy and keep guys fresh, I think we got a shot. And I like what Torrey Young brings to the to the table. You know that you need a bruiser, you need somebody who runs downhill, you need somebody who punishes defenses late in the game. And he is definitely fills that role. Makai's elusiveness after he gets the ball in his hands, either via catch or handoff, he's proven that he's proving that he's has a lot of ability once he gets the ball in his hand. And this, let's watch out for this young guy, Tyler Goodson. I think he's got some some wiggle about him. I think he'll surprise some people late in the season. So I think we got some good guys that in that in the backfield that will uh, be able to shoulder the load, and as long as we're able to, to keep our guys healthy, I think we're going to be all right in that position. Yeah, Tyler Goodson, true freshman from the Atlanta area, and he did look good the other night, nine carries for 36 yards. Um, and like you said, he's got some wiggle. I, the, the, the thing I like about the three backs is they're all a little bit different. They all bring, like you said, they bring a little bit something different to the table. So mm-hmm. can uh, match up with whoever you're playing against and give them different looks and keep them – Keep them on their toes. Um, It's a cliche, and and like Coach Ferentz likes to say, they're cliches because they're often true. Um, Week one to week two, teams make their their biggest growth or make the most progress uh, is one of those cliches. Would, Would you agree with that? And if so, why? Well, I would say, yeah. You know, I think that when it comes down to it, you have, you've got an opportunity to go through an entire training camp and you got an opportunity to go through a, a game at game speed against a live opponent. And at that point, it's like, well, you know, we know who we are and we know what steps we need to take to be better. And the impressive part about it is, is those teams that are really good are those teams that really uh, – that are really able to to make those biggest leaps and bounds. It's, it's not, you know, I guess the hardest part about it, in my opinion, is teams that stay, that, that, that get complacent after a week, you know, if they, they have success and they don't really thrive or feel the energy or feel the need to try and get better, then it's a little more difficult for that team to get better. But as long as those teams have the wrong, the right mentality and come, come out and, come out with the mindset of continuing to to get better then hey you should be able to make those jumps from week one to week two and throughout the season it seemed and correct me if i'm wrong it seemed like iowa had a nice balance the other night they played opponent like we talked about that was that came in motivated and played pretty well in that first half pushed iowa a little bit iowa figured it out got it so it's not a game where these guys should be overconfident going into week two they saw enough there and i'm sure they saw plenty on film that the coaches showed them to improve upon from week one to week two yeah, there's definitely enough to prove upon. Uh, but again, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with what I saw in terms of coming out week one and being able to put up points against a quality opponent. 
Uh, let's not forget Miami of Ohio was, was definitely a very good opponent. And it was impressive to see Nate Stanley, you know, completing 21 for 30 passes for 252 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, those stats alone are winning stats. And I'm impressed by what he was able to show. And like I said earlier, uh, his ability to get out and run and show a different element for the for defenses and show that he he will keep the ball on some of those those read option plays and once he brings to the, the brings that to the table as well as scrambling a little bit he requires the defense to respect him and he requires the defense to sometimes put a spy on him and those things will open up open up uh, areas within the defensive secondaries so I, I was pleasantly surprised I don't say surprised but I was pleasantly happy about what he was able to contribute to the game. You know, and I just want to see where we are with receivers. I want to see where how we grow from week one to week two. I want to see who's going to really step up in that, that tight end room and really continue to, to make strides and live up to the overall years of being what I feel like is tight end you in the Big Ten. I feel like we have, we've had a long line of tight, great tight ends who have, who have done a great job as Hawkeyes, and I want to see who's going to really step up and make, take over that role and be – that guy and be that playmaker that we need. So you feel like they, they need that guy, not only because like we talked about, they spread it around, got 10 guys involved catching passes. Do you need some go-to guys though? Absolutely. You always need that guy. The reason why I say tight end first and foremost because, is because of the fact that that's, that's the guy who's going to be closest to the quarterback in terms of proximity and mm-hmm. be able to be that outlet, especially when teams start bringing pressure. You know, not being able to get a lot of pressure against our front five, the teams are going to have to bring blitzes. And a lot of times that leaves a guy like a tight end wide open and leaves him with the, with room to make plays. So it would be good to see who's going to step up in that room. I know Sean Byer came in and he, he started the game and played very well, but I think that some of these other guys can, can really push and make, help make plays as well. I mean, having 6'5 and 6'6 six, six guys on our, our in those positions against guys who are typically shorter uh, linebackers or, or safeties, that's a position that we need to be able to exploit secondaries and, line, and defensive linebackers with. So we'll see. I think that this is a very important. You got, I mean, yeah, you want to spread it around, but you also need to make sure you have that guy that, hey, in this key situation, it's third and two. Uh, we got to pass because they're, they're stacking the box. We can't run the ball. Uh, who am I going to be comfortable throwing with? We need that guy. And I'm, I've always been – a big proponent of having that guy that the, the 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 quarterback looks to first, and then he looks to his outlets from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think Bayer. I don't know if you agree. I think Bayer might be that guy. He looked like he was just starting to get that thing going the other night, where he has a little bit of chemistry there with with, with Nate Stanley, and and maybe it's just going to take a game or two for them to get on. It looks like Nate Weeding is more the inline guy, the guy that's going to be more of the that you know, sixth offensive lineman that, that is, uh, you know, relied upon to block. Um, and then they slip, I think, Sam Laporte, the true freshman. He may have gotten a couple snaps in there too. But it looks like Bayer might be that guy. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see how he continues to grow into the position. You know, he's a, he is a junior, you know, out of uh, Shelburne, Iowa. So I'm excited to see how he continues to grow as a young man and continues to grow in his offense and, becoming a reliable target for Nate Stanley. What are some of the things you'd like to see this week, Colin? You got Rutgers coming to town. It is a Big Ten game. I know it's, you know, it's Rutgers, so it still doesn't 
you know, it doesn't feel like it's not my, it's not Michigan or Ohio state or even like a Purdue or Illinois, somebody you've been used to playing, but uh, it's still a big 10 game. Yeah, it is still a big 10 game. And I know for me, you know, dating back to when I played, no Rutgers was nowhere near being a big 10 opponent, but it is what it is. The schedule is what the schedule is. And, it was uh, – I saw a little bit of their game the other night. I don't want to say their game. But I saw a little bit of their highlights, and they have some playmakers. You know, I think uh, the, in lieu of some of the stuff that's going on at that university with players wanting to trans, transfer out and go to other universities, you know, to finish their careers, I think this team will, will be definitely be a test. It won't be an easy pushover opponent. Um, they Their quarterback, Randall West, he, he threw – Last week, 20 for 31, 106 yards, and um, they had a backup come in who also played – no, I'm sorry, that's not correct. But McLean Carter mm-hmm. was a young man from out of Rutgers. He threw 21 for 31 for 340 yards, two touchdowns and three interceptions, but uh, 340 yards. So uh, we're going to have a, a, a tall order to, 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 to deal with. And then there was another young man that I saw come out uh, by the name of Isaiah – Pacheco, uh, he had 20 carries for 156 yards and four touchdowns. So, yeah, they're not a typical or they haven't been the pro-typical or typical Big Ten opponent, but uh, they are a Big Ten opponent, and we do have to be very concerned with them coming into Kinnick uh, this upcoming week. And I would agree with you. They have – they have some playmakers. They really do. Pacheco is a, is a, he's a kid out of Vineland, New Jersey, which is the area I lived in before I came out here almost 25 years ago. But um, <laughs> he, uh, he, Iowa offered him, Iowa offered him really early in the process and he liked Iowa, but he wanted to stay closer to home. And it looks like uh, he's going to get a chance to, to, to do some things there. Um, and like you said, they've got some skill guys that could put some pressure on Iowa's defense. They had a couple, couple guys catch a hundred yards passing. They got behind UMass fourteen to nothing. I think it was. I was watching on my phone, and I was like, "Oh no, oh no, Rutgers, don't lose to UMass. Not, <laughs> that's right. not good for the Big Ten. But they found their footing. And like you said, those those first games sometimes are get the jitters out a little bit and they look like they found their footing a little bit. Chris Ash, the, the, um, the coach there is an Iowa native. So he'll be coming home, uh, to coach this coach, this game in his home state. So I'm sure he'll have these guys ready. And, uh, you know, I think for Iowa's from Iowa's standpoint, you know, with Iowa state the the next week, I think you really, is is there, should there be, and, and do you, anticipate there will be any focus issues with Iowa State sitting out there game three uh, on the horizon? I don't see how they can possibly have any focus issues considering Rutgers put up 48 against UMass. And like you said, UMass was up on Rutgers at one point. So they were up 21-7 at the end of the first quarter. So Rutgers came out with a flurry in the second quarter scoring 31 points. And there's no way that that coaching staff will not make that the point of attention for the for this upcoming week. So I don't see Rutgers as being a team that you can over, can afford to overlook. UMass played them tough, but and, but they weren't able to finish. Iowa better have their, their pads strapped on and ready to go. Uh, this is a wide-open offense that is ready to, to pull an upset in Kinnick Stadium this upcoming Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you. And plus, it's a Big Ten game. you got to have Big Ten wins. You can't lose a Big Ten game at home this early in the season. There's, I, I – 
if you're looking ahead to Iowa State, and it's probably more in-state guys that would be doing that because they're hearing from relatives, hey, can you get me tickets for the Iowa State game? You know, they're starting to work on the players already this week. So yeah, hopefully they can block that out. Yeah. Hey, you can't control those things at this point. You got to focus on what we can focus on, and that's getting prepared for the next upcoming opponent. And all that other stuff, take care of that stuff early in the week, but get the focus back onto the onto the field so that you can come out and perform the way you need to to get this W. I think we uh, I think we hammered it pretty good, Colin. Anything else you want to add from the Miami Ohio game or, or looking ahead to Rutgers at all, or you think we got it? Well, um, no, I think we pretty much touched everything. Um, I you know what I'm I'm excited. I'm happy that uh, I got to see my guy. Keith Duncan get out there and kick. You know, he's uh he, he spent some time starting his freshman year and had to sit uh last year. Was it year last year or two? It was last year. But um uh, he sat the last two years. Was it two years? Yeah. 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 So I remember the game winner. We were actually there in Iowa City, my wife and I, when we, when uh, they took on the Wolverines and he had the game winner. It was um and I I'm excited. I'm glad to see that he's got his opportunity to get back on the field and took advantage of it. And I hope he continues to do that. And defensive line wise, I hope to see the guys pick up the energy intensity and lead the way this upcoming week. And I'm just excited for another great week of uh, Iowa Hawkeye football. Here, here on the Keith Duncan, everybody's entering that transfer porthole. He lost his starting job for two years and stuck in there and came back. I think this is a lot for the kid's character. Absolutely. It's sometimes it's hard, especially with the way racing came in and he was kicking. But you know, it's it is what it is. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak with his his uh, special teams coach, both Lavar Woods and Jason Baker, who gets back and coaches the the Iowa special teams. And you know, he's a, he's a good kid. You know, he decommitted from one school to come to Iowa, and you know, he started early. And to have that taken away from him, obviously, it it just it I wouldn't say taken away from him, but to be beat out like that. Uh, it does make it difficult, but he he stuck in there, like you said, and uh, finally has his opportunity again and is taking advantage of it. So it's, it's good to see when young men deal with adversity and come back and make the best of their opportunities. Yeah, it'd be remiss of me if I didn't mention Caleb Shudak, too, the other kicker. He had five of seven of his kickoffs went for touchbacks. So I thought he and Keith both looked pretty good the other night. Oh, yeah. We'll take it. Any defensive player will tell you. We'll take that any, any day of the week. Don't give a, don't give a returner an opportunity to, to, uh, to get going. And that's not what you want. So to be able to have, have those touchbacks is a great defensive weapon for us. Agree. And uh, uh, I think we've, as we said, I think we hammered this thing pretty good uh, for our first, uh, our first go of it. Again, for, for folks and Colin as well, and I'll do the same. If you guys can think of a name, brainstorm, um, just be nice. Don't be mean because we know there's a tendency to do that these days with social media, making fun of us. Don't make fun of us. Or you can make fun of us as long as it's, it's kind-hearted, right? Well, you know, yeah, you can do that a little bit. <laughs> just make sure that, uh, you know, if you, whatever you put out there on Twitter and I see it, you know, just, just know that if I ever see you in Iowa City, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely have some words about how, how you may have mistreated us prior. And Colin hasn't been retired that long, and he takes care of himself, so. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But regardless, regardless, it's just, you know, 
just like Ralph said, you know, be nice. We all like it. <laughs> we're all just having fun. We're, we're just talking about our favorite team. That's all. Well, whatever we end up calling it, Colin, I, I think this is going to be good. I had fun with this, and, you know, I remember you playing here and, and really enjoying that time getting to know you and reconnecting in this last year or so with, you know, some things, you're, you know, your wife Kay had going on and you guys getting back here for great causes. And I think this is going to be – I think this is going to be fun, and I think, I think the Hawkeye fans will like it. So, again, thank you for doing this with me. Absolutely, and I look forward to continuing to do it and continuing to see this this grow. And you know, once we get this whole name thing figured out, I think it'll <laughs> it will be all uphill from there. It's all about branding, right? In these days, you got to have a brand. That's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> all right, Hawkeye fans. Well. We look forward to uh, speaking to you again next week after the Rutgers game and leading into the Iowa State game. So be sure to come back and join us next week because that'll be a that'll be a hot show with the, with reviewing the first Big Ten game and then looking forward to the the school on the other side of the state. Thanks again for joining us. It's for Colin Cole. This is Rob Howe, and we'll talk to you next week.